Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you guys. Thanks so much for being here. We're going to wrap up a series we've been in, really, all of 2023. That sounds like a really long series, doesn't it? Uh, But it hasn't been that long. But we've been asking the question, basically, what do we need to do now to help our future self thank us later, okay? And we boiled it down to one of the biggest spiritual attributes that we need to be working on is self-control. Self-control is really the key to unlocking spiritual growth growth and really any goal or resolution you may have for 2023, even though now it's February, you know, I think it's, it's an appropriate time to begin to look at that, continue to look at it throughout the year. <clears throat> but we started with this premise. If self-control is the key that unlocks spiritual growth, and last week we looked at this, and forming good habits is a secret to making self-control automatic because if we don't have good habits, then you're left to just rely on willpower alone. And willpower, like physical power, has its limitations. And for some of us, it's more limited than others, right? And we have to be able to rely on good habits. It's so powerful when we outsource the job of good habits to the factory of habits. So then, this week, we're going to turn our attention to how do we turn bad habits into good ones? How do we start to replace old bad habits that we would all say, yeah, that's probably not serving me very well. That is actually hurting me. It's not not helping my marriage. It's not helping my finances. It's not helping anything. How do I make that better? So this morning, as we begin to answer that question today, I want to begin by unpacking and explaining a principle that is woven all throughout the Bible and it has come to be known as the harvest principle, one of the most explicit places in the Bible where the harvest principle is laid out for us is in a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. It's chapter 6, verse 7 in the New Testament. And if you would, let's read the highlighted words together. Paul writes, Don't be deceived. Now, he wrote this because a lot of people were and still are about what he's about to tell us. A lot of people think, I'm going to be the guy, girl, man, woman that, that, that figures out the life hack, the workaround that this does not going to apply to me, right? He says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. His justice is not mocked. For whatever a person, let's say this together, whatever a person sows, that will he or she will also reap. So the harvest principle, putting very simply, is that we reap what we sow. I bet you've heard that somebody Mama, daddy, grandma, grandpa, somebody, aunt, uncle, somebody told you, they were, and they, they did it as a warning, probably like, hey, just remember, you reap what you sow, you know, right? And you, you wondered about like, well, uh, is that always true? I'm not sure. I think some people are able to get away with it. What, what Paul is saying here, nobody gets away with it, not forever. Maybe they look like they did for a little bit. But essentially what this principle is saying is that there is a direct and undeniable and uh, like uh, unbreakable connection between past seed that we sowed in terms of past habits and behaviors that we have chosen and our current circumstance that we're living in right now. So think about this for a minute. 
your past financial decisions, whether to get into debt or out of debt, what you purchased, what you didn't purchase, all of that has accumulated into your current financial situation that you live with today, all right? Your past <clears throat> relationship decisions, who you uh, chose to be friends with, who you chose to date, who you chose to be intimate with, who you chose to marry, all of that adds up to your current relational situation you live with today, right? So there's this, there, we can see it in every person's life, this is uh, an undeniable connection between the past seed that's sown and the current harvest that we live with. Therefore, the current seed that we're sowing now will be the number one best predictor of the future harvest that you and I will live with, okay? So if you want your future self to thank you, you we all need to think hard and really deeply about what are the habits, choices, decisions that we are sowing into our life right now, today, you know, February 5th, 2023, what are we doing today that is going to be the harvest that we live off of, all of us, me include all of us, in the future? In other words, the best predictor of the future, if you ever wanted to know how could we ever predict the future, God has actually given us a mechanism right here to, to predict it. The best predictor of the future is to ask, what am I sowing now? What am I um, cultivating? What am I sowing in my life right now? That is going to predict the harvest that we live with into the future. And to put it even more bluntly, you won't grow what you don't sow. This is where I want to just be real clear because this is where people are deceived. They think somehow they're going to wake up in the future and Mr. or Mrs. Wright is just going to wander into their life and, and, or they're going to wake up and be given an incredible huge uh, you know, pay increase and all of their problems will be solved and everything's just going to magically um, work out right. If that is not the seeds that you are sowing now, that is not the harvest that you're going to reap later. That is just how it works. In other words, habit change equates into uh, harvest change, and harvest change will ultimately uh, change our identity into the future. So this is, kind of takes us to the next point I want to talk about here, is that habit change is linked, inseparably linked, to identity change. In, in other words, your identity, how you see yourself, and how other people see yourself will ultimately come down to the habits that you adopt. This is how powerful they are. They are extremely powerful. It's so powerful, most people underestimate the power of the seeds that they're sowing through habits and choices and behaviors of everyday life. So let me kind of expand on that just a little bit <clears throat> because this harvest principle I felt like became even more understandable as I understood how to apply it in my life personally. Um, reading how habits, the mechanics of habits work in our life. Uh, I loved James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, where he kind of breaks this down. And he talks about every time we make a decision for a behavior, every time that we um, choose a habit, it is like a casting a small vote towards the person that we hope to be in the future. Okay? Now, if we do that repeatedly, you do that same habit over and over and over, what happens is that in time, you will begin to embody, you'll actually begin to 
become the person that you were hoping to become, that, that does the kind of things that this new habit that you're trying to incorporate does. In other words, there's a, in time, each one of those habits, every one of those decisions and, and choices is a, a, a vote that is cast, and in time, that vote will become a majority vote. And when it does, he says, that is when it happens. You will begin to feel your identity shift, and even thinking about going back to your old behavior and the way you used to be, you think, I'm not that person anymore. I'm not that guy or girl anymore. I don't do those, I don't even want to really do them anymore. I mean, yeah, every once in a while there's a temptation to want to go back, but I know where that leads and I don't want that life anymore. I want this one. And this is the power of using God's principle in our life and being able to start to, to sow seed that will yield a harvest that's going to literally change us from the inside out. That actually, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he has made us a new creation and a part of our discipleship of following Jesus is us just matching up our lifestyle, our, the way in which we live and our habits with who we actually are. The, the incongruency of living different than your identity in Christ is one of the crazy makers of this life. It's, it constantly will create tension and, 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 and an internal civil war that is going on. And some of you go, I feel that all the time. It's probably because you're living a life incongruent with who you actually are. And this is where we want to try to put our finger on where those changes need to happen today. So you don't need an, a, a unanimous vote to change your identity. You just need a majority vote. This is such good news. The way that God has wired us, that we can start to sow good seed that will match up with this identity in Christ, and it is absolutely amazing how it literally, God will use it to start to change us into the people that he knew we could be and created us to be. It's so powerful. In other words, you don't have to be perfect. This is kind of gives us all a big, oh, wow deep breath of sigh of relief, right? You don't have to be perfect, you just have to be tenacious because eventually the majority will rule and it's going to change who you are and it actually will change what you're known for in your life. And it's incredible. Even Jesus said that if you'll, when you do your good works unto your Father, other people will see them and they will praise your Father in heaven. They will see that, wow, this is done unto the Lord. It's done because God is at work in your life. Now, one of the best uh, illustrations I came across recently, I was reading about um, NBA Hall of Fame superstar Larry Bird, who arguably today, by a lot of experts, and I'm not an expert, would say he's still named among one of the best players of all time because of, as you see here, his jump shot. All right, and one of the illustrations of that came about whenever Larry was asked to do a commercial. And in this commercial, he was asked to do one of his famous jump shots, but not to change his form at all. Now, what I just did was probably not his form at all. Okay, a little hard to do that in a sport coat. Anyway, but he was, he was asked to shoot his shot, his, his, his famous jump shot, but he was supposed to miss, okay? He had to sit there and shoot over and over nine times before he missed once. The whole crew was laughing like, is this guy going to miss a shot? 
He had so practiced his habits over the years, thousands and thousands and thousands of times, that his body literally wouldn't let him miss until the 10th time. It's kind of incredible. In other words, this is what habits do. This is the, the incredible thing that we make our habits and our habits make us. This is the power of habits in our life. That we are what we repeatedly do. You're, you're not a coffee drinker because you had coffee one time, right? You're, you're not known as a friendly person because one time you were accidentally friendly to somebody, right? It is what you repeatedly do. It's, it's who you are. It's kind of how, it is what your habits have dictated, in other words. So, before we go any further, I want you to think deeply about what habits do you need to change today? What is one of the habits in your life you're going, okay, this has been holding me, I mean, this is really a barricade for me. This is something that every time it happens, I regret it. Like every time I know that is making me take a big step back. It's getting in my way. In other words, you're getting in your own way by choosing to do the habit continually into the future. So here's what I want to do. In the next couple of minutes, I want to talk about how we take bad habits and turn them into good. It's a very practical approach, but I want to help you to have some hands-on, like be able to go home and apply this right away. In other words, and, and here's kind of the first um, step or first principle that you need to kind of grasp with your mind, that successful habit change is about making good habits easy and about making bad habits hard. And you may say, well, duh, <laughs> right? Like that, that seems so like, yeah, okay, I get that. But here's the thing, we have to do that. We have to put that into implement, implement that into our life, put it into application. So let's first talk about how do we break a bad habit? How do we break a bad habit? So here's the first thing you do. You make it invisible, right? You make it invisible. I talked about a couple of weeks ago, I picked a silly thing like peanut M&Ms. It is a habit in my life. Like I have to break it and I have, how I have done that is I don't leave big two-pound bags of peanut M&Ms in my pantry. That is easy access. I don't want to be able to see them. What was funny is after I used that as an illustration in my sermon, I had somebody lovingly come in, give me some peanut M&Ms. Like, we were just thinking about you this week, and I'm like, that was actually the opposite of what I was trying to... But I, I ate them right away. I mean, I just... I didn't want to make them feel bad, so, you know... Um, yes, so what is it? What is your peanut M&M? What do you need to get out of sight? Because there really is a lot of truth to out of sight, out of mind. If you're not seeing it all the time, it isn't coming on your radar screen of like, oh, now I gotta choose whether, to not, whether or not to do it. If it's not coming in front of your eyes, you don't have to make the choice. It's made for you, right? It's, you've removed it. And maybe for some of you, it's an app on your phone, that you need to probably pray about and then just go ahead and get rid of it. <laughs> get it off of your phone because you're going, I'm wasting so much time. I was just talking to somebody just right after the first service about a loved one that was saying, I am destroying my life by being on this app all the time. They knew it and they can't seem to stop. If you delete it from your phone and you make it where you can't get your hands on it right away, it, it, it eliminate. Now, I understand it's going to take some time to sort of wean yourself off of that habit, but make it invisible. 
remove it. Eliminate the option from your life, whatever that looks like. Maybe you need some accountability doing that. Number two, make it difficult. Make bad habits difficult to indulge. Now, let me just tell you one of the ways that I've done that in my own life uh, to to make it difficult um, is by putting my alarm clock across the room, all right? Which means my cell phone is across the room because that's my alarm clock, like just like most of you, right? But it forces me to have those two or three seconds to walk across the room and to pick up the phone and to be able to go, okay, I need to, I, I, it forces me to do what I don't want to do so that I get to do the thing I really want to do later in the day. If that alarm clock hadn't gone off and I didn't have to walk across that room, I might not be here right now, people. I'm just telling you. I might be still in bed this morning. But that's, that's the power of developing right habits. It forces you to do, maybe for you, it's I'm going to fix a, you know, a healthy lunch and take it to work with me so that I'm not tempted to go have fast food for lunch because I want to make better habits out of my, my personal health. Maybe that's yours. Maybe it's something else, but it, making it difficult to say yes to the wrong thing, okay? And here's number three. Make it painful. And one of the best ways to make the wrong or bad habit painful is to um, introduce social influence, what researchers will call social influence, and that is in, inviting other people into the equation. So, Let's say you want to get up earlier and you want to start exercising. You want to go for a walk. You want to get a workout in. Text your best friend or whoever you think would do it with you and say, hey, would you be willing to go walking with me in the morning before work? Like, we're going to do this early. So now you, you, you'll have more motivation to get up and go meet them because if you, now if you sleep in, not only are you going to disappoint yourself, you're going to be a jerk to your friend. And research shows that you will, more times than not, will not do that. That's enough to get you up out of the bed and to get going and not to want to disappoint them. Because it's true. I think it's Ecclesiastes 4.9 where Solomon says two are better than one. That's right. We, we need to leverage the social influence of other people in our life that are also saying, yeah, I want to do that too. Let's do it together. And when we do it together, it becomes exponentially more powerful to make us consistent and successful at changing that habit. This is so important. It's so simple, but if you've got to put it into practice in your own life. So, so that is how we break a bad habit. Let's talk about how to begin a good habit. Here's the first one. You gotta make it obvious. So we're just inverting. We're just, we're just doing the opposite of what we just talked about with a bad habit. Make it obvious. A few years ago, I wanted to start exercising regularly. I read so many benefits from it. I'm like, this is not something I'm doing. I really would like to do it. I'd really like to uh, make it a consistent part of my life. And now, let me just say, I never, I, I don't work out every day or anything like that. I'm just trying to move, right? I'm just trying to, just trying to, uh, to, to, to do better than I was doing. For me, the hardest part was to try to convince myself to get the stuff together and load the gym bag and everything the morning of. So here's what I learned. If I'll do it the, the evening before the day I'm going to go work out, I became much more successful. How many of you know, you probably already know this, the version of you right when you wake up is like the dumbest version of you, okay? 
You know that. I know that, right? It's the most unmotivated, tired, not sharp mentally. You can easily be duped into doing something dumb right when you wake up, right? You, you don't want to take on a big challenge. You're just like, give me some coffee and don't talk to me for a minute, right? Like that's, that's how we, most of us feel right when we wake up. But when I would load that gym bag and put it it sort of in my way where it was obvious in the morning, all I had to do is take my hand and scoop it under the handles and pick it up and take it with me. It made it easy. It made it where I could just go, I could take, I didn't have to make a decision. I wasn't tapping willpower. Am I going to do this today? Am I not going to do this today? All I have to do is say yes. I'm just doing it, right? So make it obvious. Um, and then, so here's the next one make it easy. Make it easy. Researchers will call this choice architecture. In other words, you're the architecture of your own choices. Take away all the bad ones. Give yourself only good choices to make. There was one uh, interesting research um, study that I looked at that said that, um, you know those forms that you have to fill out um, when you're renewing your driver's license or if you're applying for a driver's license, they're always going to ask you if you'd like to be an organ donor, right? So, so many times it's like, if you want to opt into the organ donor program, you have to fill out this form. But what they did is they flipped the question. They said, if you want to opt out of being an organ donor, fill out this form. Guess what? Organ donations went up over twice in a very short period of time because they made the, the better choice easier to make. And people were like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Many times we inadvertently, just because we haven't thought it through, we're making the easy or the good habit really hard to get to. We're making it more complicated than it has to be. And maybe you need to eliminate this either for yourself or for your children, right? Sometimes you go, I know they don't need to be spending time with you fill in the blank, so-and-so over there, that's not a good influence on my child. They're not an option anymore, right? I'm not going to let them just spend time with whoever, right? Now, here's, here are the three or four kids like, I feel good about. Pick one of those, right? <laughs> and, and before long, they'll realize, I don't ask about that one anymore because mom and dad are not going to say yes. Yeah, so, and you have just been a choice architect, and that's a really good thing. So you can begin to tailor that. And here's the last one. Number three is making it satisfying. And the way you do this is track your success. Write it, put it in your calendar. Every time you do it, every time you get a, a vote in the right direction, put an X on the calendar, put it some kind of indication, check mark. There's all kinds of apps, the to-do list apps that kind of help you track your success over time. I encourage you to use those things and then build in rewards that after you've been successful for a month, you get to let yourself do something really fun, right? Now make sure that fun thing you do doesn't undo all of the good habits you've been making the last month. That would not be good. But begin to incorporate that and then what happens is that before long you'll see a majority vote is moving in your direction and this is how we take this harvest principle that God has given us and begin to incorporate it into our life in a very practical and easy to follow way that helps us to eliminate bad habits and begin to grasp and embrace really good habits that yield a great harvest in our life and for our marriages and for our kids and for future generations to come. So here's the next thing I want to tell you. Not all habits are created equal. There are some habits that researchers call keystone habits. 
These are the kind of habits that when you do that habit, it's like a cascade effect. It affects all these other areas of life. As a matter of fact, here's the definition. I think this is from uh, Charles Duhigg in The Power of Habit. He says that uh, keystone habits are habits that encourage better behavior in other areas of your life, that they impact and influence other areas that you wouldn't think they would. And one of those keystone habits that pops up on lots and lots and lots of research is exercise. When you exercise, it actually produces more patience in your life, less stress, it lowers your anxiety, more productivity at work, it increases your creativity and your ability to creatively solve problems, especially with other people. Does any of that sound like something you'd like to incorporate in your life? This is part of the reason why I'm like, I need to start doing this more, right? I mean, in addition to all the health benefits, and those are wonderful too, but it really affects in so many ways. But here's what I want to do next, is I want to focus on what are the top three spiritual keystone habits that you and I can incorporate into our life, that we need to begin doing right away, okay? Here's the first one. It is prayer. I know that might not be super surprising to you, but that God all throughout the Bible encourages us to come to him, to talk to him, to debrief life with him, to verbalize our needs, our wants, our struggles, our everything with him. Now, what's interesting is you might not be aware that there's an enormous amount of research to show that prayer, that simple spiritual practice, actually benefits so many other areas of your life. There was an article in, in Psychology Today just a few years ago that said this. It said, praying regularly makes you nicer, more forgiving, more trusting. It offsets the negative effects of stress. It boosts self-control. Hello, that's our, that's our word, our operative word right there, self-control. It is one of the only behaviors proven to counteract willpower depletion. As we talked about, our willpower is always getting depleted throughout the day. It is the one thing, one of the, one of the only things known to fill your tank back up and help you not to feel so depleted of willpower. And I think this is why we see, as I said, all throughout Scripture, God is saying, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. You, you were created for this. Let us have an ongoing dialogue. And I love, there's no place that is more concise and frank than when the Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, he says, pray continually. <laughs> pray, the old translations would say, without ceasing. Don't cease your prayers. In other words, let it be an ongoing, open-ended conversation throughout the day. It's like one of those texts that always ends in dot, 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 ellipses, right? Like, I got something else to say. We're going to keep talking. We got, we got more to converse about. We've got more to um, process together, God. And every time you walk into a meeting or you're going to meet with a client or you're going to work or you're going to meet with, pick up your kids from school, whatever it is, God, help you. I, I need your strength. I need your wisdom. Um, would you work in this situation? You're always talking. God, you know this, is really, this, is, this person's really hard for me to be around. God, give me extra patience. Help me to be able to say the right thing. Help me to represent your love for me well to this person. Like, pray throughout the day, and it's powerful what it will do for you. It is a keystone habit. Here's the second one. Bible reading. 
I know, there's no big revelation. You're probably like, wow, that makes sense. Like all throughout scripture, we're told to turn back to God, his word, his law, his truth, his precepts over and over and over and over. But what you might not be aware of is that there's been an awful lot of research around this. Greg Hawkins and Callie Parkinson in their book, Move, where they surveyed 250,000 followers of Jesus Christ in our country and nearly a thousand or roughly at a thousand different churches from coast to coast, asking a series of survey questions and found this about Bible reading. They said, nothing has a greater impact on spiritual growth than reflection on Scripture. If churches could do only one thing that could help people at all levels of spiritual maturity grow in their relationship with Christ, you know, older Christians, brand new Christians, all that, he says, their choice would be clear. They would inspire, encourage, and equip people to read the Bible, specifically to reflect on Scripture for meaning in their lives. This is part of why we've been talking about meditating on God's Word. Bible engagement is the single most spiritually catalytic activity a person can engage in based on a decade of research. This is remarkable, but it just backs up what we've known for thousands of years. In Psalm 119, 105, the psalmist said, your, let's say it together, your word is a, a lamp. It illuminates the direction for your life a lamp for my feet, and a light for my path. He's reiterating it, saying it twice, that this this gives you direction. It also provides protection. It also ultimately will create transformation in your life as you apply it and you put it into practice in your life. There's nothing like the Word of God that would bring us into greater intimacy with God and, and teaches us how to function as citizens of his kingdom. What does that look like? How do we do that? God's word maps that out for us, and Jesus exemplified it beautifully in his ministry. Here is the third one, third keystone spiritual habit, church attendance, which is kind of interesting because church attendance actually combines the other two of prayer and Bible reading. It brings it all together. Now, ladies, this might be fascinating for you to to hear about, that there was a Harvard study a few years ago that women who attended church were one-third less likely to die over a uh, 21-year period of time. Now, that's that's pretty remarkable. You're like 33% more likely to be alive just by coming to church. (laughs) Wow, kind of crazy. Now, other studies, this is from the Washington Post, it talked about this, that if you were a regular church attender, other studies reveal that church going boosts your immune system, it decreases blood pressure, it lowers your cholesterol, you're less prone to mental illness. Hello, that's part of the reason why I'm here this morning, okay? Higher levels of happiness and have better sex lives. Have I got your attention yet? Okay. Keep going. Young people who attend church are less likely to smoke, abuse drugs, alcohol, or commit violent crimes, and they even have higher GPAs. Woo! Don't miss church. (laughs) Whatever you do, my goodness. Wow, even if I wasn't a pastor, I'd tell you that, right? But we're told that all throughout Scripture. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, the author of this incredible book says, and let us not neglect our meeting together. 
This is, again, one of those places where do not be deceived. God is not mocked. What we sow, we will reap. Let us not neglect this. A lot of people are in the habit of neglecting this. I'm so glad to see that you are not this morning, either online or here in person. And some, some people, I realize, have no other option. They have to do it online. And I'm so thankful that you tune in and we're a part of your life. But I encourage you to make this a regular part of your life. And I love how this verse actually ends that some people are in the habit of doing, but let us do it all the more as the day of Jesus Christ's return approaches. Like, let us take this seriously and like really be intentional about taking steps, habits, choices towards God and not just coasting in neutral. I don't care what age you are, what's going on in your life right now, Ask God, what is that next step I need to take with you, God? And, 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 and begin to intentionally step towards him. And I want to encourage you that these habits, as powerful as they are, it is possible to do all three of these and completely miss the point. And the point is coming to know God himself intimately. And we do that through Jesus the Son, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, that God provides us a way to know Him and to walk with Him and be set free by His, His Spirit and His truth, His Word, if we will embrace it and we will follow. And I just want to encourage you today, if you have not done that, that you would be open to it today to say, yes, I want to make that decision. I want to choose to follow God. And I want to use these practices, these habits, to, to um, help facilitate my spiritual growth going forward. It's so powerful. But here's the thing. If you're already a believer, you're already a Christian, for a follower of Jesus, habit change is simply recognizing identity change. In other words, as I talked about earlier, it's simply just bringing your life into alignment with the identity that Jesus says that you already have. You have a new identity that can only be given by Jesus, and it is an eternal identity. It can never be taken away from you. But we have to learn how. There's a discipleship process of learning how to live in congruence with that identity. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is Christ followers, Christians, believers, this is what he's talking about. The old, or pardon me, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. He's saying the identity has already been given to you. Now you've got to learn how to walk in it. You've got to learn to walk in congruence with it. And it really boils down to your choices, your habits, the seeds that you're sowing every single day. And the beautiful gift that God has given us through this harvest principle is that we can, through our choices and through our habits, we can work towards a majority vote. That we will more and more each day work towards becoming the person that God says that you are. You're his child. You're no longer a slave to sin. You are free from that. And you can learn how to walk free of it. But it's going to start with you and I getting honest with ourselves and asking the question, what habit do I need to change today, right now? What, I, want you to, I want to encourage you to write it down because it's not until we get specific that, that we can begin to 
change things, really make a plan going forward. Until we begin to get really specific and getting really um, narrow and like really focused that we can really make a difference. And so I want to encourage you, write down. Don't just say, I just want to be a better man. Well, what does that mean? What is the first step to being a better man look like or a better woman? I want to be a more consistent follower of Jesus. Good. What does that mean? Which one of these habits do you need to incorporate more? What will it look like in your schedule tomorrow? What will that look like? Get very specific because then it gets a lot more helpful for you. All right? Write it down. What is it that God's saying, this is the next step for you following me? This is the next step of your discipleship with Jesus. And, and for some of you say, I know I need to do that. I need to give that up and replace it with a better habit, but I'm going to need some help. And you're right. You probably need to incorporate somebody else, an accountability partner, because two are better than one. You need to begin to incorporate that into your life. So here's the prayer I'm asking you to pray with me today. Simply saying, Jesus, I'm asking your help to change my habit of, and what is that for you today? What is the habit? He's saying, it's time for you to give this up to me surrender this and let me replace it with a better habit until it matches my identity in you. And then for some of you, I'm trusting you to give me a new identity today. For some of you, you're like, I have never received that new identity. I've never asked Christ to come into my life, forgive my sin, and, and help me to be a new creation that you now are a son or daughter of the Most High God. That is now your identity. That's what defines you. And that also is what defines the habits, behaviors, and future path forward that you should be taking to begin to trust in Him with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. He'll show you which path to take. It's beautiful. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So what I want to do is lead us in a prayer right now. And in the prayer, I'm going to ask you, would you submit the habit you know you need to give to God and tell him which one of the three? And if it's not one of the three, maybe God's put it on your heart. Like there's another keystone habit I want you to begin to incorporate your life. But maybe it's prayer. It's Bible reading. It's, it's becoming a part of the body of Christ. And maybe that's joining a small group. I know we talked about that earlier. But that might be the next step. God's saying you need other people around you that are moving in this direction. It will bring great power to your life. That's the next step for you, for some of you. Let's bow before the Lord in prayer right now. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you, God, that today is the day to turn it around. God, to begin to commit to you, Lord, these areas of our life that have been holding us back. They've been nothing but barricades to the next spiritual step that you're leading us to. And I pray that we would get just God honest about where we are. Would you just be honest to God about where you are right now? Would you just be honest with him and say, God, I'm ashamed to even admit it, but here is my Achilles heel. This is the area that I continue to fall to. I continue to struggle with this. It's jealousy. It is fear. It is anxiety that I cannot seem to get out from under. And God, I'm, I'm, I'm submitting it to you. Whatever that is, would you give it to him? It's a relationship that's eating you alive. It's just unhealthy. It's detrimental to your future. 
And you are never going to yield the kind of harvest that God desires until you make a change. Would you right now just say, Lord, I'm submitting to you this habit. And I ask that you would help me to replace it with a good habit, a godly habit. Would you make that commitment right now? And all across this room right now, if you know God has put on your heart something he wants you to surrender to him right now and replace with something better, would you just lift your hand? I'd love to pray for you right now. Anybody here? I want to pray for you. God bless you, sir. Right over here. Anybody else? Back over here on the right, in the middle section, on the left section, in the balcony. Anybody? God bless you up here. I see that. I see that. Lord, thank you for, I can tell, there's some people getting really honest. They don't want to play fake with you or at church any longer. I thank you, God, that we can be the kind of place where people can get real, get honest, and see real change and real help from a real God. Thank you, Lord. I pray that just as they're reaching out to you, you would reach back to them. I know that's your heart. You love us with an everlasting love and nothing can ever separate us from it. Would you just let God's love meet you right where you are right now? Thank him for it. Commit to him right now what you're exchanging. God, I'm giving you this bad habit and I'm going to exchange it for this good habit. I'm committing it right now. And I want to encourage you to share that with somebody today, that commitment that you're making. Somebody who will lovingly help you with accountability. You may lower your hands. And God, I pray for anybody here that would say, I want to know this God, but I don't really know God. I feel far away from God. I don't feel intimate with Him. I don't, I don't feel that God's identity put upon my soul yet. And you can have that right now. Would you pray right where you sit and just say, God, I invite you into my life right now. I accept Jesus' commitment or Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that was done for my sake. I receive that forgiveness. When you died for all the sins of all humankind, Jesus, that was for me too. I receive your forgiveness right now. And I want to live the rest of my life with you as the leader of my life. Would you just tell him that right now? Be my forgiver, be my leader. Anybody here that just asked the Lord to be your forgiver and your leader, I'd love to pray for you. Would you just lift your hand up saying, Will, that's me. Or online, just indicate, I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ. Anybody here? God bless you, sir. Right over here on the left, I see you. Anybody else? Giving it all over back, right back here. God bless you. Thank you for opening up your heart to Jesus. Right here, sir, I see you in the balcony. God bless you. And right over here in the right-hand side. God bless you back over here too. Anybody else giving my life over to Jesus today? Praise God in heaven. We're told that the angels of heaven rejoice over even just one lost sinner that repents. God, there's a party in heaven right now over these incredible salvation moments that are happening in people's lives right here. Thank you, God, for how sacred and beautiful that repentance is. As we turn to you, you are a God that is instantly at our beck and call. You are right there. That is your power and your love at work in us, and it is your kingdom at work within us. We thank you for it. I pray you would help us to leave here today walking 
with new eyes and new habits and new intentionality to live a life consistent with the identity that you have given us. We pray it all in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you back next weekend. See you then. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.